Hello, world, and welcome to episode 21 of the Pink Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Levy, as usual, and I have my favorite unpaid intern here, Casimir. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm still unpaid. I was paid one one of these episodes. I got paid, but I guess not this one. We like to reward you and but keep you motivated. That's good. Yeah. Like a dog. Like I give Mishka mm-hmm. like a couple treats, treats, and then I don't give her any treats for a while, and that means that she comes and is nice to me and stuff because <laughs> she wants the treats <laughs> right. i'll start being nice to you then <laughs> yeah we also got sarah moore sarah how's it going it's going well thank you how are you i'm great did you ride bikes on the weekend sarah of course it was beautiful here in squamish it was it's so squamish. nice yeah casimir did you ride on the weekend yep i rode both days it was also beautiful you, here you always ride both days i'm waiting for the podcast where you say no nah, i took a weekend off I know, but maybe when it starts real. No, I don't know when I'll do that. When it's ski no. season, when, once it you, starts snowing, I'll go skiing. You almost said maybe when it starts raining a lot, but I know you don't care. No, I like when it rains. So, yeah, yeah. I rode bikes on the weekend too. I got caught in the rain on my gravel bike while wearing shorts and a t-shirt, and I was very wet and cold. But having a blast on the gravel bike, which is definitely something that I was wrong about, Casimir. I know you're not a huge gravel bike fan. Oh, I don't hate them. No, I don't. No. Like, I just don't have one just because I mountain bike so much. But yeah. I'd way rather have a gravel bike than a road yeah. bike. Yeah. I talk shit and I was wrong about it, uh, which sort of leads us into today's podcast, which is all the stuff we've been wrong about. And in some cases, like my own, there's been a few things. There's been a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I think we've all. We, yeah. we talk I've never been wrong about anything. Sarah's always right. So she'll yeah. just yes. correct all of the things that, yeah. we, that we were wrong about. Sarah, can you tell us about the news before we talk about all our mistakes? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I would love to talk about the news. We're starting with uh, there's an EWS this weekend, the season opener in Zermatt. Season opener, end of August, seems it's just so such a bizarre year. Uh, and then the race almost didn't happen uh, since there were such terrible conditions. And they actually canceled the first two stages out of four. Um so there's only 15 minutes of racing for the top men. And uh, it's funny because they've been joking about the Enduro wet series for the past uh, couple of years. And then now it's the Enduro winter series. And this is only the first round. It looked horrendous. It looked terrible. Ka- I'm, I'm looking at Casimir right now. Casimir's like, oh, yeah, it looked fine. I think I'd go for a nice long ride that day. <laughs> yeah, well... I don't think I'd want to race in those conditions. I would go for a ride, just like a survival ride, but yeah, racing, especially trying to stay warm. And it was snowing. Like it's, yeah. it's still August, but it was snowing. Yeah. Their hands. Yeah. Yeah. They cold. had hand warmers. Like I saw rubber gloves. Like there were a lot of uh, creative ways to stay warm. And there were also a lot of mechanicals despite like the short race. So yeah, yeah, definitely like a survival, survival race. Um, and the, survivor the most survivor survivor people of the weekend were jesse the, mo- the, the most survivorist survivorist people they didn't get yeah. eliminated off the mountain <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> jesse uh, would be the most survivorist though i can that, imagine him having fun in the like wet rocks and oh yeah. yeah yeah when things get weird he's really good at it he just can like do his thing and those rocks look slippery too they weren't like normal squamish and whistler rocks where like when it rains it's it's not too bad they have this like weird liking on it. I watched a couple helmet cameras and it looked so sketchy, like just sliding out everywhere. Pinball, just like yes. pinball through the rocks mm-hmm. with your hands, like barely holding on because they're so cold. <laughs> yeah, sounds fun. Yeah. So yeah, Jesse Melamed won for the men and then Isabeau Cordier won uh, for the women. And uh, Morgan Shar 
in second with Ella Connolly. I think it's her one of her first years as the elite woman. And uh, she took third. And Martin Mays, second for the men. And Theo Galli, third for the men. And uh, there are a couple notable absences. Andrian Lancinado, she had a pretty terrible crash. Can you say wait, that again? Wait, that was impressive. That was really good. One more time. That's why she it. goes by ALN. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you're supposed to say her name. <laughs> say, say it a little slower. Andrian Lancinado. Yes. Uh, yeah, we're going to go stick with ALN. ALN, yeah, or Alan, people say been saying recently too. So uh, unfortunately, Alan wasn't able to race. Uh, got some stitches on her elbow and her hip in the shakedown. Did you see her crash? Just like yeah, that crash is brutal. It was like a landmine. Like oh, it looked bad. Yeah, so high speed and then just like straight to nothing. It was like hitting uh-huh. a car. Like didn't she ride? Like she went and got all fixed up and stitched up, and then she went riding or tried racing as well. Too. Mm-hmm. She did the practice. Uh, Jeez. the day before and was she said yeah i felt pretty nauseous so yeah. <laughs> i mean of soft. all races <laughs> yeah. i feel soft right now <laughs> yeah when's the last time you read road and felt nauseous because your stitches were you know the yeah. two yeah. days old right <laughs> uh. <laughs> so i think yeah smart decision from her and then enos toma uh, had a returning thyroid thyroid issue so she had to skip the first round as well and then in the men's field, Sam Hill, Richie Root, and Pedro Burns, uh, among some others, uh, were missing due to travel restrictions. So um, I think Jesse still would have won. Who knows, right? It's like, what if? Yeah, we can't. You can't. The ra- what there's if. no, like, no, that's racing. There's no what ifs. Yeah, that's like he posted, like, I won, but Richie Root and Sam Hill weren't there. But oh, no. Martin Mays you won, won. Jesse. Martin Mays won last year, and you beat Martin Mays. So yep. I think. You won your second EWS. Full points. Yeah. Full counts. Yeah. And then uh, it was great to see so many bike checks from that race. First time we've seen some bike checks in a while. Um, And there was a prototype. No? What's Mike Levy making a face like this? (laughs) He he just, he had to write a lot of bike checks. Uh, I only only wrote one. I didn't (laughs) write many. You are one. One, everybody got mad about. He wrote a controversial bike check because he mentioned. Uh, Because I mentioned May's. With the doping. I also mentioned he won all the things. It's background story for the intro for the bike check people. He won the race last year, you know, after coming back from from the doping suspension and all sorts of things happened. Yeah. So oh, these people are angry, like, yeah. give me a break. And the doping was from antibiotics. It wasn't like he was out doing roids or anything. So. Yeah. So there were a lot of bike checks. Levy wrote one, apparently. <laughs> um, there was also a... Time pro- for me to take a week off. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and there was a prototype nuke proof that we spotted that Elliot Heap was riding. It looked like it worked pretty well for him. He actually came third in the first stage and seventh overall. And it was probably because he was hydrated. Right, Leafy? Had a water Definitely. bottle. Definitely. New bikes got room for a bottle. <laughs> yeah, That's got to be it. That's so good to see. Yeah, I really like the nuke proof Mega 290, but that has always been my nitpick. No water bottle. And now it's got one. So it should be good. That's a hell of a bike, eh? Kaz, didn't you tested mm-hmm. that thing? Yeah, I've ridden the last few generations of it. And I had that aluminum one as my kind of staff ride for a bit. So I liked it. Solid. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a new uh, Shimano Steps EP8 e-bike system. And then two new e-bikes launched that use it. So there's a Privateer E161 and the Comensal MetaPower. I read something about uh, updated algorithms on the Shimano motor. I'm guessing they're not talking uh, social media here. Uh, what's new about that motor, Kaz? Yeah, I know. Who knew we'd talk about algorithms with your bicycle? Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, the motor, it's lighter 
more powerful, more compact. So is it stiffer cool. too? They didn't mention <laughs> that, but you know, like you got to get all those keywords in there. But yeah. but yeah, you can. Uh, you know, it's just kind of like the next evolution of Shimano's motor, and I'm sure in the next couple of weeks we'll be seeing even more uh, bikes released to have that motor on there because it's it's been a little bit since the last one received an update, and uh, yeah, so it seems you know bikes these e-bikes are getting they kind of look more normal looking for lack of a better term they just look a little more compact not as big and bulky and bulbous so uh, you know things are moving forward and i'm sure a lot of people will be happy with this new motor did you wish that that privateer you reviewed recently had a motor probably wouldn't have hurt on those climbs huh (laughs) there were some (laughs) jokes about if it it's not going to weigh any more than the uh than the regular version but um yeah and it's kind of interesting to see those guys too they're um their pro racer basically has been using it for kind of a training tool because it can has the same geometry as the 161 and now he can just get more laps on the e-bike and go to the other one when he's not training but yeah we'll see new motor big news cool uh there's also some non-motorized e-bike launches there's a new siskio t from polygon with an aluminum frame 140 millimeters of travel on the 27.5 wheels 135 millimeters on the 29er 65 degree head tube angle and there's two models reasonably priced 17.99 us and 22.99 us and it's designed around the wheel fit size system i feel like brian would be all over this the small wheels uh, the small size gets 27 and a half wheels the medium is compatible with both 27 and a half or 29er and the large and xl get 29 wheels they they should call it wfs2 instead of wheel fit size system Polygons. <laughs> Polygon's evolutionary WFS2 system. Yeah, they're missing a chance for an acronym in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, that is a good, I mean, we're seeing more companies do that. It just makes sense. Larger riders, bigger wheels, smaller riders, smaller wheels, medium sized. You can pick. I think that's a good way to do it. We'll and that price is nice. WFS2 coming soon. <laughs> coming use, soon to- I'm sure they use it in their, their acronyms, like when they're just like shorthand, right? Talking about yeah. it at home. There's no way they're like, <laughs> The wheel fit size system, like no. it's quite a mouthful. <laughs> There's also a new Trek Pro Caliber. It just missed getting into the hardtail episode. It's Cats hard- is pumped. More hardtails. <laughs> yes, hardtails. <laughs> uh, not maybe on the hardcore hardtail spectrum that uh, Cats is maybe uh, more likely to ride. It's got a 68.75 degree head angle, 29er for all sizes, carbon only. And I thought it was kind of interesting. The most expensive model is uh, four grand US. So um, yeah, they're not kind of, uh, it's uh, over 23 pounds to the model that they're selling for medium in the US. So it's interesting that they're not bringing in that like top end race hardtail. Yeah, I think maybe they're just kind of focusing on that super caliber, the, you know, the 60 mil kind of full suspension-ish bike. And then this one would be more towards your, if you call it like privateer, or just amateur XC person, that'd be who these ones are for. Yeah, they would they would have a bunch of data to look at, and they know how many hardtails they sold last year, and they probably have a good idea how many hardtails they're going to sell this year and next year. So, and it probably they, does compete. That's what they think. Yeah, ex- directly with their super caliber, which um, yeah, they've got some more tech in there that they want to sell. So, yeah, but it's great to see you know a race bike for four grand if you're a young up and coming racer. And believe it or not, doesn't come with the new Olin's RXF thirty eight fork. Uh, so with the Fox 38. That would be a strange combination. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was just looking for a transition there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't didn't quite uh, quite fit. Yeah, it had a 100 millimeter fork. This is uh, a little bit bigger. Much more. 
competes with the Fox 38 and the RockShox Seb. Uh, so with those brands both offering single crown forks with thicker stanchions, uh, it was only a matter of time before Olin's got involved uh, in the game as well. And uh, do you guys want to share a bit of details about that new fork? This one is going to be only available OEM for now. So basically you'd have to buy a whole bike to go with the fork. Um, and it's just, it, it kind of draws from their current downhill fork. Oh, we only usually when a company debuts a new fork, I mean, it's like, here it is for sale. Yeah. <laughs> I, wouldn't be buy sur- it. I wouldn't be surprised if they're working on something else as their kind of aftermarket offering. Um, yeah. I said aftermarket version would be available in 2021. Yeah. So maybe they're going to make a little bit even more refined one for now. They probably just knew that some of these companies wanted to have that big stanchion fork on the front of their e-bike. So they've got this and then they'll probably do some tweaking for the, the other mass market version. I saw a comment uh, saying that this is using parts from the downhill fork. Is there any truth to that, Cass? Um, could be. Would I'm not. I haven't looked into it though. So it, it could. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. You might as well, right? Stay tuned. Maybe we'll answer that question. <laughs> yeah, another, another we should learn time. more about this fork. But <laughs> they haven't sent one to you yet, so they yeah. have not. Somebody, no. somebody, somebody, figure it out and answer the comments, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tons of new stuff this week, and then. In the coming two weeks, there's going to be even more because we're launching the Across the Pond Beaver. So kind of like we did in the spring, but uh, we're pretending that we're in Eurobike in Germany. Oh, I get it. Across the Pond Beaver. Yeah. Sea Otter was Pond Beaver. Hey, oh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you didn't just get it. <laughs> but anyways, there's going to be a ton more content. Casimir, tell us, what is this? What is it? Just like Pond Beaver was, it's a virtual trade show. So basically, we've got all the information about Lots of new products coming in. Some of the products we have on hand, some we don't, but you'll be able to see, yeah, videos and first ride reports and articles, just kind of as if we had gone all the way to Friedrichshafen, but we didn't. So stay tuned. Unfortunately, less Haribo. Yeah. And they have really good juice in Friedrichshafen too. The apple juice there is so good. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. yeah. So none of that this year, but we'll still have lots of cool things for you guys to look at. All right. Let's move on. Let's talk about questions uh, from the readers. Question for the podcast, PB user ZWA2, uh, how do you deal with testing full bikes versus testing components? He asks, are you allowed to put a test component on a test bike? Uh, I imagine brand X wants you to review their bike the way they sent it to you, stock, so they might not want a different fork or shock on there, obviously. Um, how would you answer that, Kes? Uh, for me personally, for a lot of things, I do have one, I typically have one bike each year. That's kind of like my own personal bike. And that's where I hang long-term test parts off of. So like a drivetrain will usually end up on that bike rather than trying to put a new drivetrain on a test bike and then testing that, taking it off. It just kind of gets a little crazy, but, um, but it's okay. Like, you know, as long as we put stuff back before we send the bike back to the company, it doesn't really matter what we put on it. Uh, you always change those tires back before you box the bike, don't you, Cass? <laughs> I don't really change tires a lot, really. Luckily, most bikes come with the right tires now. But like grips, I'll swap out grips if I'm not happy or a seat or something just to make it more enjoyable for riding. Every single field test bike went back with those Schwalbe tires on them. They got a free upgrade. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, and you know, sometimes if I do have a fork that comes into test, I will just put it on the bike that I'm riding. But you know, it just kind of depends, but yeah, I'd say most of us do have a bike we can use for long-term testing. And then these other review bikes don't stick in the fleet quite as long. Yeah. So I'm, I'm the same as Kaz. I usually have one or two bikes that I hang on to and, uh, put test components on, but sometimes I'll also change things. I'll put a, a fork or a different wheel set or tires on a test bike. Um, but the, the important thing is obviously to ride that test bike stock a hell of a lot. 
So yeah, as long as you get those miles in, if you're comfy on it, you can hang some different components on it. Yeah. Casimir, he also wants to know what your favorite kind of pie is. Oh, that's a tough question. That might be the hardest reader question like we, yet. You and I have talked about this before for some reason. Probably. I'm pretty sure it's been our morning meeting question, at least. Yeah, we've asked it before. <laughs> I don't know. I think right now I'd probably go like strawberry rhubarb. It kind of changes depending on the season. Yeah, but strawberry rhubarb sounds good. I do like I do like strawberry rhubarb. Yeah. He didn't <laughs> ask me, ZWA2 didn't ask me what kind of pie I like, but he does want to know how often I wash my dogs, which is never. <laughs> <laughs> They wash themselves. They do it all the time with their tongue. Why do you need to wash them? It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's he's a very inquisitive guy. But there you go, ZWA two. Those are your your answers. Thanks for asking. All right, Kaz. Now we get to the part of the podcast that we were probably not really looking forward to. You know who is looking forward to it, but who isn't here to gloat? Yeah, our boss, Brian. our real yep. boss, Brian. <laughs> I he know likes- that he would love to be here to talk about the things that you and I have been wrong about. Yeah, if he's right and we're wrong, then he's happy. Definitely. <laughs> uh, Sarah, the very first thing on our list I have here beside your name, Dual Control. Were you a I, Dual Control fan back I in the day? I love Dual Control. I remember racing with it and it just it seems so simple, you know? It just like tack, tack, tack with your hands up and down. And then I, I don't remember ever having any issues about like breaking when I wanted to um shift or shift so when you, I wanted you to break. Used it. Yeah. You I used it, it and you still liked it. Yeah. Huh. A I lot mean, of people <laughs> didn't. <No. laughs> That's yeah. what I hear. So I was wrong about that. It's not around anymore. But I remember <laughs> when it came out and my bike that I ordered yeah. had it, I was I was pretty stoked. So for those listening that weren't around uh back when dual control came out, it's basically your shift lever it's your brake lever as well. So you pull your brake lever. It looks like a brake lever. You pull it to brake, but to shift one direction, you also push the brake lever down to shift the other direction. You push it up. I think that's right. It's been yeah, a while. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then, to, yeah. Yeah. And you have to use basically four, three or four fingers off the bar to shift. So it's not like now where you can just use your thumb. You have to kind of like un, unwrap your fingers from around the bar. So probably not ideal for gravity type situations. Yeah, at a bare minimum, it oh, required yeah, two fingers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think I shifted going downhill. I don't know. I just remember yeah. going uphill and shifting. <laughs> Sarah, it sounds like you still want to use it. I would be really curious about what I think about it now. I'm sure you so, buy it on eBay. <laughs> nope. I have a surprise for you guys. So my partner has some dual control, XTR dual control. She had it back home in Wisconsin, and I got her to ship it out. We have some here. Oh, nice. XTR dual control lever. So <laughs> I have a I have a vague plan of assembling it onto a bike and riding and making a video explaining dual control and why it's uh, why it went away. Um, so you might see that. Hey, might you still have it on bike road and, bikes, right? Kind of. Well, it's a, that's a whole different, different thing, though. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different. They're not dealing with the bumps and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 You probably also pretty lightweight. It probably saves weight, doesn't it? Uh, 
There's a lot of justifications you're making here, Sarah, for something that is not good. Is Sarah still a dual control fan? Or are you admitting that you're wrong about it? I'm probably wrong about it, but I don't want to admit it yet until I try it again. Yeah, try it again. I think you'll see. I'll let you know. 15 years ago that I actually wrote it, but maybe 12. Yeah, but on very different terrain too. That was the thing with it. It's fine if you're on smoother rolling terrain, but as soon as you get on steep, rocky things, like you have to break and shift at the same time. Could you imagine using that here in Squamish, Sarah? It would be terrifying. Okay, I'll let you know when I have I, it I installed on the bike. Why? Why it ended up being phased out? You know. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Sarah, we're not picking on you, but your name is on this list for something else. It Women's is. bikes geometry. Yeah. Explain yourself, please. Um, when I worked at Specialized several years ago, and at that time, all of the bikes had women's geometry. And I drank the Kool-Aid. I definitely thought that women needed women's geometry and had a couple women's bikes. And then since then, uh, I would say... I've changed opinions on whether women's bikes are necessary. And I mean, also those brands have changed their opinions on whether those bikes or women's bikes are necessary. So I I have a question. So women's geometry, did that mean different, like a reach and head angle? And is it, was it more standover basically? Yeah. Usually more standover, shorter reach and a higher front end was often what, um, like the women's geometry ended up being. Um, and so it was kind of, uh, a slightly, uh, I guess easier bike for a beginner to ride, which is a slightly demeaning if you're <laughs> a more advanced rider. And See, tr- I gotta say there, I, th- I feel like there's more female riders here in Squamish and they're all better than me. So <laughs> it's yeah, pretty hard con- to be average in Squamish. Yeah. 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 And yeah, the concept never, I didn't understand it either because you basically were making a bike worse because you make it have that steeper head angle. So it's going to feel sketchier on the descents, shorter reach. Yeah. So it's smaller and more compact. What was the thinking compact, but. behind it though, Sarah? There was a different studies done that showed that women had, I think it was military studies, that women had different um, leg length and torso length than men did. Uh, but since then, it's kind of been shown that um, there's the same amount of variety within women's bodies as there is within men's bodies. Yeah. Um, so to be fair, they were going off data that told them that this geometry, a different geometry might make more sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Canyon and Liv still make women's geometry bikes. So there is still like a school of thought out there um, that believes that women need women specific bikes. And there's obviously tons of women that, um, buy those. And, but yeah, I think I was, I, I think that I saw all brands in five years having women's bikes and men bike men's bikes. Like if we were looking five years ago and that's not the case, like, you know, we have Juliana live, uh, that have a women's brand, but that's not even Juliana doesn't even have a women's geometry yeah, that's so. the same frame as santa cruz right mm-hmm. yeah right yeah so a I remember different add different touch points and a lighter shock tune okay yeah do you think that makes sense you know the thing i like about what Liv is doing and what juliana is doing is that um 
there's a lot of marketing that just features women riding. And I think if you see people doing the sport, like if you see other women that look like you doing the sport, then you are more likely to get involved in it as opposed to being like, oh, well, there's Mike Casper or Mike Levy riding this bike. Like that doesn't mean that I <laughs> No one wants it. to be involved in that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll talk to a lot of women. Like if I'm riding with my boyfriend or other guys and they'll do something and I'll be like, well, that doesn't mean that I can do it. Like, great, you're a better rider than me. And then I'll see my friend do it who's, you know, a similar riding ability. And in that case, I'll be like, oh, okay, it is feasible. I can do it. Okay. So yeah, there's definitely something to be said for seeing women in marketing photos and videos and that kind of thing. But the women's bike geometry has uh, kind of, I'd say it's not going to stick around that much longer. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're I, wrong I, about yeah, that. I could be wrong about that too, right? <laughs> yeah. no, I think you're I, right. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. I mean, you could be any brand and just include more women in your marketing and then you don't have to have a whole separate offshoot brand and, and you can keep the same geometry because really it's rider height is more dependent on how the bike rides rather than their gender. Just right. that's how it works. So, mm-hmm. you know, what we need to do is have a podcast and have somebody from live and somebody from Juliana on and shoot them some questions. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Kaz, can we talk about the stuff you're wrong about? Yeah, we definitely have definitely been wrong about some stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's still less than me, but there's some things. Yeah. There's some well, things. Kaz, you were wrong about disc brakes? I know. We're going to go way wrong? back for this one. <laughs> How so, could you be wrong about disc brakes? <laughs> we got to go back to like 99, 98. Like, I'm mean, living in Connecticut. I think XC riding is the best thing ever. And disc brakes were still pretty new then. And they would come in the shop that I was working at and be so heavy and so finicky that I just didn't understand why you would ever need disc brakes. I was like, my V brakes, because V brakes had come out pretty recently too. I was like, these are so powerful. I don't need anything better than V brakes on my hardtail. Um, to be fair, V brakes. You have like you had a twenty six inch rotor. Yeah, you had, they were plenty powerful when they were set up, right? Yeah, as long as it wasn't like wet out or you didn't ride them too much. Yeah, as they, long as the conditions <laughs> were perfect and they were perfectly uh-huh. adjusted, they could be plenty powerful. Yeah, they could be. And then so that's what I thought, and I was definitely a hundred, probably like two hundred percent wrong because that would <laughs> not go back to the brakes. <laughs> There's no way. I'm that, pretty sure you used to. Yeah, like you'd wear out your rim, not your oh, yeah, sure. rotor. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. Rims blew up. Yeah, uh-huh, They cracked. <laughs> rim then, sidewalls blew out. Yeah, so definitely that's probably the largest thing that I was wrong about. But I wasn't. I didn't have a, as much of a public voice then, so it was like a secret wrong thing. But, you didn't yeah. have social media back then probably. No, so I was just wrong in my head. and then Yeah, you weren't even wrong then. I don't think that's like <laughs> yeah, nowadays. I mean, other that people shared my views. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, you were working on disc brakes i think i was probably working at the shop around the same time you were working at a shop and i was working on these closed system formula brakes that you had to manually adjust the pads with like a 0.1 millimeter size allen key and it would strip out and then brake fluid would leak out of that hole (laughs) (laughs) yeah and they would always rub like that was the big thing if you read disc brake reviews for back in the day it would all be be about like how much pad rub you got against the rotor like it was okay back then for it to rub a little bit that was normal because they didn't there wasn't enough clearance and people were like this one only rubs a little bit it's fine i was like no but luckily we're in a good time now where most disc brakes work pretty well now your bike is expected or sorry yeah now your bike is expected to be quiet or you're you're yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) You also worked on those Coda disc brakes, didn't you, Cass? Yeah, the Cannondale Coda, and those are weird too. I think they had did they have one fixed pad and then one hydraulic. The yeah. inboard pad was on a big threaded uh, adjuster, and then the other side. So they were one piston hydraulic brakes. I remember they had a huge lever, and then I think like the return spring was so stiff 
that when yeah. you pulled the lever, like it just, it didn't work. Yeah. No. Yeah. So they also had no power. Yeah. So back in the day, but that was, yeah, we'll get to more of my more modern uh, errors and thinking, but we should go to you now, Levy, because you've definitely been wrong about oh, some stuff. Oh, pick a good oh, one, Cass. Start. We could start with, oh, I don't know, so much to choose from. We could start with bat bikes. Yeah. Yeah. You did, you, for a while you were on this like fat bike thing. Actually, plus bikes too. Yeah, yeah. on the list, but I think plus, you know, fat bikes, everybody knew you were wrong about that, but you were kind of on thinking that the plus <laughs> everybody bikes Everybody that's riding fat around. bikes out there is so, how do you, for someone who, you're very polite and tactful, Kaz, but I feel like you make people mad at you. <laughs> it's <laughs> a skill. All the fat bike people are mad at you now. I mean, anyway, if they're in Alaska, keep riding your fat bike if you're in Alaska. That is the right tool for the job. That's not against and you. Quebec. But I'm talking about, and Quebec. If there's snow on the ground, fat bike, good choice. But if it's normal conditions, you do not need a fat bike or a plus bike. And that's more what I'll talk about. Because remember the plus bikes came out and Levy, you reviewed some, the most gushing, glowing reviews about these fat, these plus bikes being amazing. Would you ride a plus I, bike now? I do not. So, um, yeah, you're right. hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Yeah, I, to be fair, I'm just thinking back on those reviews and I, I made sure that I also mentioned like, hey, on hard pack ground and berms and things like that, the tire pressure, it really comes down to the tire casing that's really letting these bikes down. Um, Kat, I'm watching Kaz pull up my old bike reviews right now. So you <laughs> could say, no, nope, you're that too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I was... I was pretty stoked with plus bikes and I'll admit, I mean, I mean, plus has sort of kind of gone away now that we've just got 2.6 inch tires with that have proper casing. Um, but yeah, plus bikes were stupid back then. Yeah. And I, you, you, you've I always was been too like nice a, about it. Yeah. Well, you just like being different a lot. So that did fall into the different categories. Yeah, too. a little bit, but also one thing too, I think that I like bikes that are just fun to ride. I think I really enjoy those bikes and I could see the value in them. And I think that I could see the value in something like a plus bike that doesn't have shitty tires on it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's what, that's why I was maybe a, a little too positive about that thing. But if I, yeah, if I rode one of those things now, no, I'd shit all over it. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. And fat bikes. Remember that Bucksaw, the Salsa Bucksaw? That was the fat bike you rode. It was years I, ago. Yeah, it was a full suspension, full suspension carbon fat fiber bike. fat bike. I think they still make it. Yeah. I, I remember having a ton of fun on that thing. I think I'd still defend myself on that. Sorry, Kaz. Okay. No, that's all right. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think you're medium wrong. I, I'm not I'm not denying they didn't have fun. Like, you can definitely have fun on a fat bike. <laughs> you can have fun and look stupid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and go slow. Yeah. 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 It, so I was riding it on all these stupid motorbike trails that are really steep and ridey and crappy. And you have to, on a normal mountain bike, you have to walk a bunch. And I was walking less on this fat bike. Yeah. But I think it was a phase and I had fun. And then I realized that I was yeah. like, okay, so also here's your fat bike. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a blast when I had it. Yeah. No, that's yeah. good. Let's see what else we have. Things we're wrong about. Oh, I could do another. We'll keep going with you, Levy, since it's fun to pick on you. But yeah. you're, you've written some op-eds over the years about dumbing down trails. And you oh, used to live shit. in a, you used to live east of uh, where you live now. You used to live in Chilliwack, BC. And you moved to Squamish, BC. How's Everybody the, out there right now is, pardon me? Used to live in a what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chilliwack? Chilliwack. It's actually has some really good riding around there. But Levy was, would always vent about the, the world just being against him and trails getting dumbed down. But then he moved to Squamish and he hasn't been talking about trails being dumbed down. Strange, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, 
when when something is right at the front of your mind so often um and a topic that is so relevant to yourself you end up writing about it a lot and i think there were other places in the world and there still are other places in the world where that's relevant where uh how do i say this tactfully without making people angry <laughs> i mean well trails do get dumbed down and it is annoying if trails get sanitized yeah. is a good word yeah. for it make a different trail if you want your easier stuff you know yeah. don't i get it when things get changed for sustainability reasons Ugh, yeah. i get it <laughs> you know <laughs> when but, it's just a river instead of a trail yeah, those, oh, okay. the I, best I enjoy <laughs> i want to i want to ride down the rocky river you know i get it i like that stuff <laughs> yeah. um but i understand the sustainability of course i can't you know have the blinders on um but yeah i was getting all angry because you know the very few rough difficult parts of our trails were getting smoothed out and stuff um amazing amazing trails there uh, but yeah, now that I live somewhere where things are, they got a lot of scary shit here. <laughs> no, yeah. I haven't seen a trail dumbing down op better from you in a while where yeah. you live there. It's like every week. More like, often. Kinda, well, that too. Yeah. You know what, you know what else is funny on the weekends? I go back to Chilliwack and ride the trails that I used to moan about that were like getting the hard stuff were getting taken out and I have such a good time. Yeah, you're like, ah, oh, I can, I can, like, yeah, I feel like guard. a much better rider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I true. know how that, I could down country here. I don't have to walk anything. <laughs> yeah. You were living in down country heaven. You didn't even know it until you moved away. Right. Uh, <laughs> Squamish's trails are really good. They do got, they, they have a, they have a mix of things here. Yeah. It's a good place. Um, yeah. You got well, anything else for me, Cass? Well, there's something we were both wrong about, I'd say. I was What's 29ers. That? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. we both were kind of around when they first came out, and they suck. Everybody else was wrong, too, then. Yeah. No, yeah, everyone was wrong. Well, no, because there was the people that, that made them then and thought they were going to be good. Those ones that thought their bike... They were my, terrible bikes. They were terrible. They didn't have the geometry figured out, and they were really bad. So I remember riding a 29er back in early 2000s, and so I was like, this will never catch on. This thing feels horrible. Steering's yeah. sketchy. I'm this 26 Did you have for overlap on your off-road road bike? Oh, yeah. You could definitely, like, turn, <laughs> and you just hit your foot, and you're like, what is happening? How? Yeah. You couldn't ride it with, like, with flat pedals. Your foot would go and get hit the wheel. They were silly. What, do you remember the first good 29er that you rode? Um, I think it was at Trek Stash, like, probably when I first started working for Pink Bike, like, eight years ago, seven or eight oh, years ago. Oh, elevated chain stays. Uh, was it was just their Big hardtail, tires. like a stash hardtail? No, not the plus one. It was a okay. So this would probably been like twenty. Kaz hated plus bikes from the beginning. Who am I kidding? No, that Trek stash, the plus, the twenty nine plus is a sweet bike. That one was so fun. But that was in that's. I'm back further than that. So yeah, it's yeah. probably like that stash hardtail I rode in Sedona. A hardtail in Sedona shouldn't be a good thing. But yeah, um, yeah I had fun on them. I was like, oh yeah, these twenty nine are might might be good. Sarah, do you remember? the first good 29er that you rode? Because I know you rode a lot of shitty ones back in your racing days. <laughs> uh, tell, tell me about a good one. I mean, I guess the first one I rode was probably like 2012. Yeah. And I remember thinking I was actually happy about how it rode. Like yeah, the first that 20- doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I we think- know it sucks now. <laughs> <laughs> but since then, then I rode a couple 650V bikes for a while, though. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I quite liked those. Do you still yeah. like twenty seven point five? Call it twenty seven point five, not six fifty B. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have You're to on start the spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what wheel size I still, do you like? I still, I still like twenty seven and a half, and, but I also like twenty nine. I don't know. I'm not. 
I'm not as like uh, on one side or the other as a lot of people seem to be. That's okay. You're allowed to not be as... Awkward silence as Catherine's yeah, yeah. like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I'm, like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty strongly opinionated people. on this. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I think you're the, taller than me. You know, I, I read a medium, so I feel like... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're, you're in the in-betweener size. Maybe you need a mullet. I read one of those. I actually got some really fast times on Strava on that bike. <laughs> yeah, mullets are silly. Well, that would be another... We should have a mullet conversation one of these days. But I don't think people want to hear about this wheel size stuff enough to do another wheel size podcast. No, no, Remember? it won't be a whole podcast. It's just yeah, like, yeah. We'll talk about it. But anyways... You guys tell us in the comments if you if you want another wheel size podcast after that 32-er podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of people got yeah, mad about it. Sort yeah. of rightfully so. Yeah, but yeah, so Lee and I were wrong about 29ers back in the day, but now we're both firmly on that 29er bandwagon because they yeah. got a lot better, which is nice. I I said I will not ride a 29er. Yeah, and now I you wrote will that not ride anything else. Oh, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. That's and then pretty I rode, good. Uh, what have I been wrong about? Like, to go full 360, like, yeah. well, it, or no, 180, sorry, not 360, then you go back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I don't like to sit on the fence about stuff. So that means I'm going to be wrong more often than if you're like, oh, you know, 29ers, they're okay. <laughs> you know? I feel like that's what we did in the intro of one of the field test videos. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I don't come out with well, strong opinions, so then you don't have to be wrong about things, guys. <laughs> right. It's not a bad strategy. Not a bad strategy. Kaz, I think, I think, I think you were wrong about something big. Oh, yeah, what's that? E-bikes. Mm. I, I think I that you were, I think that you were too emotional about e-bikes. You had well, a strong opinion about them. That's me, Mr. Emotional. That's what they call me. Very emotional. <laughs> you, well, you had a very strong emotional response. No, I do. I still e-bikes. do. I just usually keep those emotions deep down. And that one, I let some emotion. That's healthy, Cass. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to. You have to pack it away. Uh, yeah, it's still not the biggest e-bike. Every game. 10 years, I go into the bush, I have a big cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my decade. <laughs> uh, yeah, but e-bikes have gotten better. I've ridden a bunch by now. And I realize that they're here to stay, so I'm not going to fight. It's um, it's not that they've gotten better, Kaz. That's oh, I think you have. had more like uh, you had a deeper a deeper. Uh, yeah, I went down like the purity integrity of the sport route, uh, saying that they're not mountain bikes and that mountain mountain biking should be not um, assisted. Basically, I'm really dragging this out of him here. Yeah, well, I mean, I still feel this way, but I've had to temper my views just because I can't. I'm not going to fight it. Like I'm not going to. What am I going to do? There's so many e-bikes out there and they are actually fun. Like, so you can't deny that, which it's an argument I hate because people are always like, well, aren't they fun? I was like, there's a lot of things that are fun that I don't like want to promote. Ping pong is fun too. I don't pay ping pong or enjoy it that much. Yeah. So, but either way, uh, yeah, I wrote some pretty like strong e-bike editorials and I, I don't know, like I, as far as being wrong, I don't, I think I, my view still hold. I'm trying to like, I, mean, I wish I had prepared better so I could <laughs> yeah. have pulled out some quotes from those. Oh, there's some good ones. I should, yeah. I mean, they're, yeah, I don't know. I still don't own an e-bike, so no. we'll see. Maybe I'll check in, check in in a year and I'll probably e-biking around. So, so you, you, wrong. you basically say that you're more accepting now. You're like, you know yeah, what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're here to stay. And so there are some cool things happening with them. Like they're getting lighter. You can go farther. You know, if they're getting some people that couldn't, necessary ride as far um to go places that's cool older riders like someday i'm gonna be old and like probably be riding an e-bike so yeah that's how it is i do I think that there's wait a- until you're riding an e-bike has oh yeah. man yeah. i'm yeah. getting we'll sweaty e-bike just race. thinking about it <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah i mean i yeah i've had i've ridden them and had a good time i'm sure i've gotten 
I've got to ride some in the next couple of months, I bet. But uh, as far as my personal preference, I still don't prefer them. Yeah. But for I me, just another tool. Right. So for me, it came down to pride, to be honest with you. Like, I feel like I have 25 years of trying really hard invested into this sport. <laughs> and it, yeah, I mean, it's like all of a sudden somebody could just spend 10 or 12 grand and they get a, they get a mountain bike that has a motor in it and boom yeah i love it when (laughs) you you see people though who are just like pushing their e-bikes up the technical climb and then you clean it that makes you yeah that's pretty good see that's the best part yeah but yeah the thing is i realized that it doesn't matter you know like it i don't i don't care you know mountain bikes aren't going anywhere anywhere and neither are e-bikes um and man i rode what e-bike did i ride a little while ago I rode a Heckler a little while ago, oh, that yeah. new Heckler. And yeah, yeah I rode, I've not, it's not the first one I rode, but I had a ton of fun. And part of it was the trails we were on. The trails that we were riding were pretty tame and they would have been lame on a mountain bike. They were a blast on an e-bike. Yeah, yeah and I see places from like even I've ridden like the Canevo, which is, you know, the it's closer to a downhill bike than anything. And if you lived in a place where you normally have to shuttle, being able to not hop in a shuttle and just spin a couple laps out on your e-bike, I mean, that's fine with me. It's kind of more in like a busy, crowded trail network where I don't think the e-bikes belong just because of potential conflict of some goober going super fast uphill where people aren't expecting it. So I think there is some trail access issues to still sort out, but overall, we can figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we're working our way down the list of things we were wrong about. I'm going to go back to Levy because this topic is geometry. Oh, yeah, this is a big one. It is, and I remember your favorite bike... Yeah, your favorite bike for a long time was that Ibis Ripley. Yeah. That thing has like a 300 millimeter reach, like a 75 degree head angle. You're exaggerating. (laughs) I I think a large had a 400. You should pull it up. But I think a large back in uh, 1992 when I really, that wasn't that long ago. But I think the first gen Ripley at large had like a 420 millimeter reach, maybe. Which, you know, at the time it was on the shorter side, but not super short. But then in the last few years, we've seen bikes just get way longer way slacker and you kind of dragged your feet a little bit but then at i this said last, a lot of things didn't i you did yeah and then this last uh field xc field test that you did some of your favorite bikes kind of pretty modern geometry right yeah like did you think, think you'd be riding a 66 degree head angle basically an i XC think bike? my yeah no i think my hat eating goes even further back than that though <laughs> oh yeah well i think even before that when you first rode that pole yes the, um, the pole stamina which I'd ridden the machine before. So I kind of had an idea about that geometry and was on board with it. But then you wrote it and we're like, I fell in love with that. Drooling. Bike. Yeah. 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 And you didn't expect that. No, no. Yeah. So I did, I, I wrote a bunch of things about how maybe we didn't need bikes to be so long and so slack. Maybe it's not ideal. Um, that, uh, that was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We need I the mean, red buzzer sound, don't we? We need yeah, the thing <laughs> for this podcast. Um, let me explain myself here. I So the trails that I used to ride a lot, uh, like we've already mentioned, I mean, they weren't overly technical. It was still southwestern BC riding, and we were riding a lot of motorbike stuff that was steep and rocky and rooty, but nothing like we have here in Squamish that's way more challenging. Um, and... At the time, those shorter bikes, they sure felt great. They did, let me put it this way, they didn't feel wrong, Casmer. Yeah, for what you were doing with them, they worked. Um, 
yeah, I think that I mean, if you haven't tried something besides what you're used to, it, it seems like it's working just perfectly fine. It doesn't. I'm sure that Ripley never felt you, you're being held back or any of the other tinier bikes that you rode. But then when you do ride something a little bit more modern, like, oh, this could be a little easier. I can go faster, feel less like I'm going to go over the bars. But, yeah. And unfortunately, I uh, I didn't really sit on the fence with this one, and I wrote some of those strongly worded opinions <laughs> about reaches and net angles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't we talk about how you don't really like change, maybe, you know, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't. I struggle. Like, you know, I'm this job. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's literally like the best job in the world if you like to ride bikes. It's amazing. But as someone who doesn't like change, getting on a new bike every couple weeks. I'm now I'm hundred percent used to it. It's part of the job. We're, we'll talk, we'll do a podcast about bike testing and all that at some point. Um, it's part of the job. And now like I can get on a bike and understand it really quickly. But yeah, I remember not wanting to change, you know, you yeah. find something you like and it, I don't know. It's, and you get your fastest times on it or you do right? a race on it and you do well. And I can see my racers. Yeah. I don't want to change stuff. Yeah. It's comfortable and you're just used to it, but yeah. Yeah. And that it would be interesting to get you on one of those older bikes just to kind of see if you still, what your thoughts were now. Like you've just kind of go into a blind and say, is this any good? Yeah, I think, I think we're going to do something like that in the future with some video stuff as well, too. We're going to, we're going to get some old bikes, maybe some bikes that I, or a bike that I gushed about and compare it to mm-hmm. the latest version. That's, that's probably about a meter longer and three degrees slacker. <laughs> oh, it definitely will be. Cause I, I just found your old Ripley review. And so this oh, is God. from like 2013 Ripley. And this is nothing against Ibis. They've definitely modernized his geometry since then, but this is just a bike that Levy loved at the time. Like it was his all he wanted to ride everywhere. So this bike had a 396 millimeter reach oh. for size large. <laughs> a 68. I'm five foot 10, everybody. Yeah. And a 68.5 degree head angle. Yeah. Um, so that made it a, you know, I'm sure it was nimble. It, as, as Kazmir, it's agile. It's nimble. I know. Yeah. There's no <laughs> doubt that that would be. Climbs like agile. a scalded cat. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and, you know, we talk about geometry a lot on here at Dork Out, but it's interesting to see how things have changed and how we've all kind of adapted and are enjoying the longer soccer bikes than what we probably expected. What does it say when you like put a frog or a lobster in, in hot mm-hmm. water? And if it's like you put it in boiling water, it'll notice immediately. But if you like put it in the water and then gradually turn up the heat, exactly. Like, That's, That's what we are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe and I are lobsters in a pot. That's yeah. Still, yeah. <laughs> Geometry slowly <laughs> killing you, but you don't notice yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> slowly flipping over the handlebars way more often than you should. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what happened too. I, you know, I just thought yeah. that's what everybody was doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a, I think that's a, a big one to, for me anyway, it's a big one to admit being wrong about, but I mean, it's like the internet never goes away, you know? <laughs> yeah. You can just find it. Yeah. I'll take one now. I just remembered one that I was wrong about back around that same time. I think I wrote a, a poll or an op-ed or something where I was pretty convinced that long travel, single crown forks were done. Like I just didn't see, because at that time, lots of bikes are coming out with like a 150, 160 fork. And I was like, that's plenty. I don't need any more than that. And if I wanted more, I would just go dual crown fork. Like I didn't see the return of a totem um, ever happening. And then this year, all of a sudden, we've got 38 Zeb, that Olin's we talked about earlier. And you can get them with 180, even 190 millimeters of travel. So I was definitely wrong about that. Kaz, I'm surprised. You're free ride as hell. I know. Well, I just didn't think you needed the weight because I don't really like heavy bikes, even though I'm free ride as hell. And although one time I said that skinnies are dead and that oh, we, I was you're glad right about, about it. that. 
I know, but I've kind of missing skinnies lately, so I take that back. I was wrong that skinnies, well, they are still dead, but if they come back, I'm not going to be mad. I kind of want to. Why would you want skinnies to come back? I miss them a little bit. No, I kind of miss them. I just wrote some. Well, I miss challenge of skinnies. (laughs) Like, I spent so many hours in the woods riding skinnies, and then eventually I got sick of them. So I was like, they're dead. But now I feel like they could have a comeback. Do you think that maybe what you miss is that. time on the trail where you stop and session something with your buddies yeah it's not sure the skinnies themselves it's like you're stopping to session a jump you're stopping to session a corner or a rudy section now you yeah. just ride really fast on your own all the time <laughs> that pretty much that's yeah. pretty much Same it here, like, that is yeah like it's yeah. kind of nice to go slow and just like poke around where usually we're just yeah. like, at least for myself i go pretty quick on whatever trail i'm on and not stop that often do you i so i ride the same way do you think that's related to our job in any way. Like we're always out on these different test bikes. For me, I don't want to ride with other people sometimes because I'm on like my first ride on this bike. And, you know, these people want to go ride this like (laughs) trail that's, you know, only 50% of people survive it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's probably a mix. And then I don't know. I think for me, I don't like stopping that much when I ride in general. Just like if I go for a ride, I don't take a lot of breaks. I just go do the whole ride and be done instead of like stop. Some people can just, they'll stop at every intersection, chat for 10 minutes and keep going. But it makes I can't sense. stand I don't that either. either. No, but either way, I was wrong about long travel single crown forks being dead. They're back. And I'm still wrong about skinnies being dead. But if they do come back, I won't complain. And I would like. I to. hope you stay super wrong about that. No, so I saw a video of some guy building like a sweet skinny trail somewhere up near you guys. So once that border opens. Well, we're in Canada. Gonna, There's still skinnies up here, unfortunately. Yeah, but they're, they're more dead than they ever have been. Like there's not too many new skinny trails getting built. That's true. Here's, let's, let's stop talking about skinnies. I'm sure nobody wants to hear about Canadian skinnies. <laughs> let's end it with this. As long as the bridge has a purpose and goes over something, for sure. You know what I hate? Useless bridges and skinnies. <laughs> Does that make I'll sense, give you Sarah? That. Yeah, you want to ride in a swamp and have skinnies all, all through it. <laughs> well, I don't want to fall into the swamp. You don't get your feet wet, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Useful. Yeah. So... There's been plenty of things that we were wrong about that we didn't mention, I'm sure. So make sure to tell us what those were in the comments. And speaking of comments, last up, comment gold. Best comments that we've seen of the week. First one, PB user Snapcatcher. I'd like him to explain his name. He says, I complain when it's slightly moist at our local races on trails I know well. Hats off to these guys pinning it in the weather after one practice run. That's from that EWS Zermatt highlight video. They were hauling in that stuff. Terrifying. So yeah, and, and like he said, one practice run. So you get to see it once. And then like that night, you just watch your GoPro and hope you can memorize it. And then the morning, it's got snow on it. So yeah. That's, a, that's a notable skill, I think, of professional riders is the ability to charge into something blind and just know yeah that's tricky Uh like (laughs) they just know they're going to clear this 40 foot gap even though they can't see the landing i know (laughs) i don't understand (laughs) i've ridden with some of these guys and they're like oh i'd rather ride this blind do you mind if i go ahead like i was towing them down a trail and they're like i was like yeah there's some big jumps like oh it's fine and they hit all these huge jumps blind that i would never hit blind in my ever like they never seen them they just hit them all like it'll be fine all right i know i mean the trail is 
built properly so the speed you carry in and the lip gives you an idea of where the tranny is but you like, hope so eh, <laughs> eh. <laughs> i don't trust the trails that much no yeah <laughs> no me neither i, I yeah. can't stand riding blind hey i guess that's why i'm not a dws racer right kaz that's gotta be it yeah yeah <laughs> we also have pb user grossy is there a mandatory balance of hair above the shoulders per family in new zealand that was on the Windmasters and Edmasters bike check comparison. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Like, Ed had absolutely no hair and the wind's got the long hair. So I was like, if this averages out to like a normal amount of hair, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and last but lo- not least, on the EWS Zermatt EMTB race article, it's the electric mountain bike enduro racing. Hmm. It's from Model Citizen. He says... There's a 99% chance that all these EMTB racers could destroy 100% of the pink bike commenters on any kind of bike. These are actual athletes trying a new racing format. So pipe down, losers. Model he's probably citizen. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, Miles. The tone there, he's just kind of... He's, just he's not wrong. Yeah, but he's being a jerk, though. Like, you're allowed to call out a racing format that you think is silly. If you and these guys are eating batteries, what do they need batteries for? Why don't just pedal? Because it's a different co- formula of racing. That's the thing. Like it's a there's all sorts of different formulas, and this formula is on e-bikes. And he's just yeah. saying that these racers they could ride a normal bike and destroy everybody, including myself, who I I know I read that comment kind of snarky, and then I realized that he was sort of talking about me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I kind of like the first part of it. What are you saying? And then the second part is being a little He's, He says yeah. there's a 99% chance that all of these EMTB racers could destroy 100% of pink bike commenters on any kind of bike. I mean, yeah, there are there are good athletes doing the EMTB, but I think I take more issue with it. So pipe down losers. Like, why are you calling people losers? Just be polite and don't be a jerk. So I'm not, I don't like that. I want to argue with this guy. He makes me mad. So okay. sorry, Miles Listen, not a fan of your comment. Has over here being the uh, he could have just ended it before the so pipe down losers. Like, that's true, let, You're let right. people have their opinions, but don't that's be a jerk true. about not, them not having an opinion you agree with. Yeah, that's true. He doesn't have to call him that. Yeah, so not so maybe that's not losers. comment. He goal. probably hurt somebody's no, feelings. he gets comment. What's the opposite? Comment lead, <laughs> comment lead. <laughs> you get lead. <laughs> okay, we're gonna end on comment lead. I guess we're gonna. That's yeah. how it is. Yeah. All right, everybody, that's it. Episode 21 of the Pink Bike Podcast. Stuff we were wrong about. Everybody's been wrong about a whole bunch of stuff, though. So tell us about all the mountain bike-related bad decisions and things that you guys have been wrong about in the comments below, just so we don't feel left out. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Bye.